So I wanted to continue on with the "You Are Your Own Proof" chat, but、uh, I'm going to take a short break from that. I will hopefully, with any kind of luck, get to it by the、uh, back to it sort of a, uh, after a few minutes in the drive. But a thread has been opened up like a chasm in the Freedom and Radio boards, and in that thread there is the question around defooing, which is、uh, ceasing to have contact. With your family of origin, for a variety of reasons. Now, most people have heard me ramble on about the value of doing this, of defooing, if your family is corrupt or abusive or whatever. And then one gentleman has posted, obviously, a very intelligent question, which, and he basically was is, is saying the following: Look, ugh, my my family wasn't mean, really, really mean to me or anything when I was growing up. I think the worst thing that happened was, oh, I got some. Soap. They washed out my mouth with soap when I said a bad word or something, but nothing was really bad, bad or anything like that. And my dad died of cancer when I was 15, which was very traumatic. But my mom got remarried, and I sort of enjoyed the wedding, had a good time, and and so you know nothing really bad is is going on. But I'm away at school, and my mom calls, and she's you know kind of guilts me into coming home, and she calls a little bit too often, and I, I don't really have that much to say to her, and and so I don't really talk to them about anything really important, maybe some work, school stuff, but I don't really get into anything of any great depth with them, and so I don't know whether I want to go home. I sort of make excuses, and and sort of you know this this particular kind of question, and it's a fascinating question. It's an absolutely fascinating question. The answer is exactly the same, but it's an absolutely fascinating question, and this is something that is worth having a few minutes chatting about. And it does actually—I'm sort of—I don't think I'm ramming two worlds together and trying to make a sun here, but I think that it is possible that this is all closely related to the question this morning of、um, your—you、uh, are your own proof. There's nothing wrong with you. Your feelings are fine, and you just need to trust them. Because the fact that you're bored by your family, the fact that you are not having a rich, productive, positive, joyful relationship with your family, is a very interesting experience, and it's a very interesting question about what you do with that. Because I would say that there are lots of people who've had far worse childhoods than I have, and there's lots, lots of people who have. Had、uh, better childhoods than I had, so as I've said before, it's kind of tougher to figure out your relationship with your family when they haven't been really abusive, but they're just kind of dull. I guess you could say they're they're just kind of,、eh, you know, it's okay.、Uh, you know,、uh, they serve some good ribs.、Uh, you know, it's fun to、uh, sit down and shoot the shit with them from time to time, but. But you know, compared to say the vitality that you might get when thinking about philosophy or ethics or economics or psychology or the kind of conversations that we have here, maybe something's just a little bit lacking for you in the old food department. And so, the question of what you do with all of that is very interesting. But basically, it's exactly the same, right? Because the principle of whether you spend time with your family or not. Is based on all of the philosophy that we've been talking about for the last nine quadrillion podcasts, which is that there is no such thing as a collective; there are only individuals. There are no such thing as concepts that have any validity out of the instances they describe. 
And so your family, the question of family or the idea of family, is simply a description of a biological gene relationship. That's it. I mean, I don't want to sound terrifyingly anti-Hallmark, but fundamentally it is simply the description of a gene relationship. It is the description of a, uh, bio of a genetic similarity. That's it. And it is a description of a history that you have being raised by a particular group of people. That's all it is. There's no innate value or vice in the concept of family. It doesn't make people better or worse to be part of your family. It does, however, make you very vulnerable to your family because you can't get over 20 years of first impressions of being dominated. And even if your family was relatively benign towards you, then you are still going to be dominated by their needs and requirements. You can't be neutral to family, right? This is sort of a basic, a basic a fact of the matter, right? So you can't get over the historical authority of your family. There's simply no way to bypass that. You can't erase 20 years of first impressions, even if they weren't mean or brutal, but just kind of were there and told you what to do and... Maybe they even had some fairly okay reasons. Maybe they encouraged your thinking, whatever, whatever. You still will never be able to escape your uh, first impressions of them having authority over you that went on for many, many, many years. So we have a fact of reality, which is that the family is simply a description of a biological relationship, has no virtue or, or vice or value or anti-value or anything in it whatsoever. It's simply a description of a biological relationship and thus has no moral content. We have that as a fact and the subjective experience that we will never, ever, ever be able to deal with our families objectively. Right? You just can't. You just can't. You can't meet somebody you were married to for 20 years as if they were a new, a new person. Right? It would be schizoid, I think, to expect that or have that as a, a standard of, of uh, a value. So, objectively, it means nothing. Subjectively, it kind of means everything. So... This is the complications that we face when we're dealing with the family, and it's this disparity between the objectively equals nothing and subjectively equals everything that screws us up and puts us on these pendulums back and forth with our family. Now, my, this gentleman who posted this was asking, well, what should I do? How should I handle it? Blah, blah, blah. And, of course, my response is that you should try and share what's important to you with your family. Right? So let's say that you're an anti-statist. Right? Let's say that you're an anarchist, or at least a libertarian. And he mentioned that both of his parents worked in the correctional industries. Right? As a prison, I think one of them was a warden, uh, one was a prison guard, or, or something. I can't remember exactly, but they both worked in prisons. And so if I had this particular opinion about the value of the state, I would sit down and say, well, this is going to be a tough conversation, but this is where my thinking is these days. Do you think, like, how did you feel about your prisoners? Like, if somebody had been put in for tax evasion, would you think that it was a just or fair thing? Do you believe that people who are thrown in prison for marijuana use are people who should really be there? How did you relate to the people who were in prison who were not there just justly? And also, as a, as a, as a corollary question, I would say, well, how did you feel, or how, did you, uh, how do you feel, about the fact that a lot of the people who were in prison were let go when they damn well should have stayed in prison. We've just had uh, kidnapping of two children who've been held and raped serially by a pedophile, allegedly, in a deserted farmhouse somewhere in the prairies, and this guy has had a string of sexual offenses against children going back like 15 years. 
and he's still out on the streets and still, you know. So the people who should have remained in some sort of confinement, which a DRO model might perfectly well, or would perfectly well deal with, that these people are out, right? So I would ask my parents these questions because it's important for me to have a solid understanding of where they're coming from and how they feel and how I feel about our mutual values. That's one possibility, and there's lots of other possibilities you could talk about. Like, say, you know what, I'm consumed by this virus called let's not have a government. And I want to talk about it with you because it's really starting to dominate my thinking. And I just want to share with you what I'm going through. I'm not sort of asking you to tell me I'm right, I'm wrong, but I wanted to share with you the thinking that I'm having about it because it's really kind of gripping me as a possibility. And I just wanted to share my thoughts with you because this is really important to me. Or it could be an emotional thing that's very important to you, like I'm about to break up with my girlfriend and here's why and I'm really emotional. Whatever it is that's going on for you that's deep and meaningful, you need to sit down and share that with your family. Your boring family, right? There is simply no excuse for having boring conversations in this life. There's no excuse for having boring conversations in this life. Life is very short. My friends, I know you're young and you feel like it's going to last forever. Life is very short. You are not bulletproof. Fate will fail you with a timber, with a tree trunk. And life is very short. There's simply no excuse for having boring conversations. Yes, you have to have them at work sometimes, and yes, you will have to make small talk when you are getting your driver's license uh, uh, rewritten, uh, perhaps. But there's no excuse for voluntarily having boring conversations. And this doesn't mean having shocking conversations or extreme conversations, because the opposite of boredom is not brutality. The opposite of boredom is intimacy and involvement and recognition. And so really life is too short to have boring and repetitive conversations. If something isn't working out for you, then change your approach. I mean, I think I've certainly done this on the board a number of times. If you feel like you're having the same conversation over and over, you need to either not have that conversation anymore or you need to change your tack because life is very short. And if you're not making progress, don't bother. And life is way too short to be bored with the people in your life. So the question around your family uh, is is very important when you feel and this is this relates to you are your own judge you are the judge you are your own proof if you feel bored in your relationship with your family then you need to do something about it i think because why would you voluntarily stay in a situation where you're bored well you would only voluntarily stay in a situation where you're bored because the other person claims that they're getting value out of your interaction and you are not So he says, my mother calls all the time, and so we have nothing to talk about. Well, obviously, your mother calls all the time because she needs something from you. And so this would, of course, render it questionable the degree of satisfaction she's getting from her new uh, marriage, but that may be uh, premature. We'd have to sort of talk more about that if we wanted to. But obviously, she's calling you. She needs to talk to you. And what is almost always the case with parents as they get older is that there are things that they feel bad about that they did now that they're out of the hurly-burly of parenting and they feel the drifting away of their children, their adult children. They feel that bad things occurred in their parenting and they want to, they have this compulsion to keep reaching out to their children because they feel bad about what happened. And they're trapped in this. They feel bad about something. Don't ask me what. And so they keep having this compulsive need to reattach contact with the child to make sure that the child is not figuring things out and drifting away. That's my theory. I mean, you talk to your mom, you can find out whether that's the case or not. But you do need to bring up very uh, interesting questions with your parents. You need to be honest, 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 honest with your family. 
right? It's really, it's not hard. It's hard to do, but it's easy to figure out what needs to be done, right? So if I were you, and I'm not saying it's easy, but this is what needs to be done if you want to have a relationship that is rich and fulfilling, because there's really no other kind that's worth having. Don't waste your time and other people's time. You sit down with your mom and say, Mom, this is my experience. You call a lot, and I'm not sure why. I feel like we run out of things to say. I'm kind of bored, and that's not a reflection on you. That could easily be a reflection on me, but I need something different from our relationship. What's happening right now, which is you're calling twice a day for small talk, doesn't work for me. It makes me not want to answer the phone. Again, that may not be your fault. I'm just telling you what my experience is, that something's really missing. How do you feel? Right? All I'm asking for, all I'm suggesting is nothing other than what you already believe by being a philosopher or by being interested in philosophy and in ethics and in the government and in economics and psychology and relationships and so on. Just be honest. Just be honest. There's a great bit in uh, the movie Aladdin where the prince is sitting there and it's like, oh, I need to tell Jasmine this, or I can't remember, I think it's Jasmine, Jasmine this or that, and I don't know whether to tell her I'm a prince, I'm a thief, I don't know, I don't know. And... The uh, Robin Williams as the genie says, Hey, I've got a good idea. How about the truth? And this big flashing sign with the truth comes up. And really, that's all you need to do in relationships. Just tell the truth. Are you having an experience in a relationship? Then tell the other person that you're having that experience in the relationship. It's really, 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 really that simple. Not easy, but simple. So, with Christina she uh, didn't tell me that she was experiencing this conflict about whether to talk about the metaphors we talked about in the last podcast. You're listening out of sequence? Oh, people. People. I got one of two, two of two. At least if you're going to listen out of sequence, go with the one of two. I'm sure that's not the case with you, though. I'm sure that you're listening at least to these one of two, two of two in sequences. Because, boy, uh, boy, it all comes together if you do. It's like uh, uh, like a giant shock jaw of truth closing around your skull. So, Christina didn't tell me that. And you don't want to be in that situation. That had other repercussions, which we had to deal with until quite late last night. And so you don't want to be in that situation. All you've got to do is tell the truth, right? You're interested in the truth, right? You're interested in logic. You're interested in reason. You're interested in philosophy. Well, philosophy has as its basic principle that honesty is better than lies. Now, honesty is not required, But if you're going to be in a relationship with someone, then you better be honest. It's better to be honest, right? So this is why I'm saying, if you can't be honest with your family, then don't spend time with your family, right? Because you don't want to be in a situation where you're constantly lying, where you're pretending, where you're false-selfing. Oh, yeah, that's great. You had ham and eggs for lunch. Wow, that's that's great. Yeah, well, no, I'm sorry to hear that uh, Auntie Toulouse-Lautrec has a hangnail. That's That's a shame. Yeah, no, maybe you should go and see a dermatologist about that. No, that's... Yeah, no. Yeah, no, I I think that, uh, you know, maybe it would be interesting to get a pool. Yeah, yeah, paint your fences, sure, I think that... You know, if you're having that kind of nonsense with people, then for God's sake, stop. I mean, that's just just torture. That's just a a complete... Might as well take take days of your life and flush them right down the toilet and then keep flushing because they just don't sink. So... You definitely don't want to be in that kind of situation, right? Don't be in situations where you have to lie to people. If you find that you're in situations where you have to consistently lie to people, stop seeing those people, right? So if you're in a relationship with someone where you're straight-jacketed into the false self bullshit, then don't have relationships with those people. 
And the way that you find out whether you can have relationships with people that are authentic and true and meaningful and real is you tell the truth about what you're thinking and what you're feeling and what you're experiencing. And if they get huffy and offended and negative and, and mean or distant or cruel or dissociated or indifferent or whatever, if in some way they very clearly uh, telegraph to you that telling the truth is not considered to be a good thing, then you try again and you try again and you try again until it gets through your thick skull, as it took many years to get through my thick skull, that you can't be authentic and real and yourself around these people. What's that line from an Englishman in New York by saying, be yourself no matter what they say? Well, it's true. Be yourself. Be yourself. Be honest. Be open. Be revelatory. Be intimate. Be vulnerable. Be be honest. Be honest. I'm bored with our relationship. It's not a reflection on you. It's not an attack on you. But I'm bored with our relationship. And that's not good. I think that we deserve better or we should part ways. Right. This is, this is so important. Life is so short. And you can have great relationships. You can have great relationships. But every time you sacrifice, every time you accept less, you diminish your capacity to have a great relationship. Every time you accept something boring or something abusive or something dissociated or something argumentative or something uh, indifferent, boring, you diminish your capacity to have a great relationship. And great relationships are possible. My basic seven-word philosophy, make it great or make it gone. That's what it is about relationships. Make them great or make them gone. Because you deserve nothing better than great relationships, funny relationships, witty, enjoyable, deep, meaningful, fun relationships. That's what you deserve. Where the people call and you're thrilled that they're calling. Where you call them and they're thrilled that you're calling them. That's what you deserve. That's the norm. That I mean, it's so ridiculously not the norm these days, which says a lot about modern culture. That is the norm. Relationships friendships, love, family, romance, all of these things should be rich, deep, wonderful, powerful, beautiful, amazing, fantastic, enriching, enlivening, enlightening, loving relationships. It's all possible. And the first thing you have to do is make your existing relationships great or make them gone. Get them good or get them out. And it's not up to you to make them good. You can't make them good. All you can do is be honest. You can't make them great. All you can do is be honest. So all I'm saying, this is sort of tying back to this morning's discussion, and I'm not going to talk about uh, my work issues for a variety of reasons, which I may or may not ever get into, but if you feel that your relationship is boring, but you continue on it anyway, you are not being your own judge. You are not processing with and dealing with your own feelings. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. It's not a bad thing. It's something that I would suggest you should correct. I mean, not that you have to. last thing I want to do is tell you that you have to do anything. It's supposed to be all about the freedom here, and we are. But if you are in a relationship where you're bored, where you're sitting there uh, on the net, uh, maybe at Free Domain Radio while your mom's droning away, and I did this for years. That's why I got one of the first speakerphones, so I wouldn't get a neck crick listening to my mom drone on and on about this, that, and the other that I didn't care about. If that is your experience, then you better trust your experience. You better trust your experience because you know that if you're spending time around somebody who bores you, it's because you're placating them. 
It's because you're appeasing them. It's because you're saying, I am here for your service. I am here to make you happy. It doesn't have to be reciprocal. I don't have to enjoy it. I don't have to love it. I don't even have to like it. But if it services you, I'm perfectly willing to sacrifice my own happiness for the sake of your whatever you get out of calling me. Cessation of anxiety or whatever, right? Feeling of things weren't so bad uh, when we were growing up or whatever it is, whatever your parent or sibling or whoever is getting out of calling you, if it's not satisfying and enriching to you, then you're basically saying, I live for others. I am here for the disposal of others. I am here to appease and placate others. I am a mere tool that other people can use to manage their own feelings and I have no say in the matter and I have no needs in the relationship. Now, if you can look in the mirror and be that clear with yourself, then fine. Take all the boring phone calls that you like, right? But action evolves from clarity. Action evolves from clarity. This is why the moment that you understand something, you generally will act to change it. So what I'm saying is that if you are in a relationship with your parents where you have very little interest in what they have to say, it's boring, it's this, it's that, and you're just going through the motions then that's fine. I have no problem with you doing that. Not that you care about my opinion, but you should have no problem doing that. Or Not that you should care about my opinion about your opinion. But the fact of the matter is that you are absolutely living a slave morality. You are absolutely living a socialist morality. You are absolutely living an other-directed, other-centered, empty, uh, no need, no value, no self-esteem philosophy. You are living an egoless philosophy. You are simply there for the comfort of others and you have no needs requirements of your own that can ever be valid. You are simply a tool for other people to manage their own feelings or insecurities. And if you feel that's okay, that's fine too, right? You just better be honest and clear with yourself about your relationships, right? Oh, well, it makes her happy. Well, that's fine. So if you want to be a tool or a drug for someone else to ensure their own happiness at your expense, that's fine. But then you have no business being a philosopher. Right? You have no business being an ethicist. You have no business, frankly, being into the free market capitalism or reason. Because right? you, if you don't have an ego and you don't have needs and you can't judge reality and you can't act in a non-altruistic, in an independent manner from others, then you're not a philosopher. You may be somebody who enjoys reading about philosophy, but you're not a philosopher. Right? Philosophy is not reading about philosophy. Philosophy is living philosophy. It's not even talking about it. It's not debating it. It's living it. Everything else is just an effect of that. So if you don't mind being a slave to other people's petty needs, then that's fine. That's, that's the level of relationships that you're going to have. And just so you know what the stakes are, that is all the level of relationships you will ever have. Right? That is the cell in which you lock yourself voluntarily. And the cell may not be abuse. It may just be boredom. But it's a cell nonetheless. It's a complete lack of freedom nonetheless. Whatever we accept from our family, we accept from everyone. We can't fundamentally fight that basic principle. You can't have a relationship where you are simply there to serve other people's needs and then go and have a rationally and enlightenedly selfish and positive relationship with somebody else. You can't live that kind of contradiction. Whatever you do with your family is what you will do with other people. You like it or not, fight it or not, be as enlightened as you want, it doesn't matter. Your unconscious judges your actions, not your intentions. Your unconscious judges what you do, not what you say. It judges what your actions in the world are, not what your ideals in your head are. 
And so if you're going to say, well, sure, with my primary relationship, with my most important first relationship, I am going to be there just for the sake of other people. I'm going to have no needs of my own. I'm going to simply be a tool or a drug for other people to manage their own insecurities with. And then turn around and say, I am going to have a romantic relationship that is the complete opposite. That is ego, ego, win, win, rational, rational. Not possible. Not possible. Not possible. You're asking far too much schizophrenia then for any kind of remotely healthy mind to be able to manage it. Whatever we allow with our families, we photocopy inevitably in every other relationship that we have. So that's fine too. I just, I'm just, you know, I'm just giving you clarity so that you can choose consequences, right? So if you are willing to be a tool and a slave to other people's uh, self-management, that's fine. If you're going to be an enabler of other people's petty manipulations uh, and have no voice of your own, that's fine. That's your role in life. That's who you're going to be in life for everyone. That's who you're going to be at work. It's who you're going to be to your own kids. You're going to be a weak and powerless, other-directed, empty second-hander. Right? For the rest of your natural goddamn life, and there will be no escape and no possibility of an alternative. And you will marry somebody exactly like your mother, and you will raise your children to bully you and dominate you and walk all over you, and you will be pathetic at work, and other people will simply use you to advance their own careers, because you are there in the service of others. And also then, when you get older, you will become petty and demanding and manipulative, and probably quite boring, just like your parents. And then it will be far too late to change. Right, so that's the future that you're mapping out for yourself. And I have no problem if you choose that future. I just don't want you to make the choice without knowing the consequences. So that you can make an informed choice, an enlightened choice. And that's why I say, get your relationships great or get them gone. Get them good or get rid of them. Because I personally think that you deserve great relationships in your life. Right? You have to earn them by not accepting anything less. I think you deserve a great salary. You have to uh, earn it by not accepting anything less. I believe that you deserve love and happiness and joy and all the great things in life. And they're right there for the taking, but you have to not accept anything less. And if you are going to be there as a slave and a tool for other people's self-management of their petty neuroses, then you are never going to get these other things. You're never going to get them. Never, 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 never. And I think you should have them. I know I like them. I assume that we're the same uh, enough to the degree that what is healthy for one person in terms of having uh, you know, rational and reciprocal needs and uh, offerings within a relationship is going to be healthy for uh, just about everyone. Right? You don't have to be into queen and quake uh, like I am in order to uh, be happy. But I think that you do have to live according to rational and objective standards and you do have to have relationships based on mutual value and happiness in order to be a happy person. That's sort of, I think, I'll go universal enough and go out on a limb and say that is the case. So this is about trusting your feelings. Boredom is very important. Boredom is a recognition or is a feeling that is saying, I am here for the service of other people. I am a tool that is being used in a dull manner for other people to manage their own insecurities or discontents or neuroses or nervousness or whatever, anxiety, depression. And I'm filling up, I'm emptying myself up to fill up an empty hole in someone else. That's what boredom means to you. Boredom, once you accept the facts of the matter, will, will be an impetus to change, an impetus to movement. And the movement that you want to move towards is to be 
honest and open and to say, hey, I'm bored. I'm not getting enough out of this relationship. And I have some ways to solve it. But the first thing we need to look at is, why am I bored? What's going on? Why do you call me twice a day? Why do you whatever, whatever, right? And just have that conversation, right? I can guarantee you it's not going to be boring. I certainly can't guarantee you that it's going to fix your relationship. But I can guarantee you that it's not going to be boring. And so you are your own proof is, is there something wrong with your relationship with your mom? Yes, because you're bored. You don't need to look for other evidence. You don't need to look for anything else that's going on. You don't need to come up with all this other proof, right? You don't need to prove it to others, right? So you say to your mom, Mom, I'm bored. This is something wrong here. We do need to figure something out. I'm just not getting something here. I'm just kind of bored. Well, she's going to say, well, what do you mean you're bored? Prove it. Well, I mean, she might say that, right? And my response to that would be, uh, no. My proof is that I'm bored. The proof that something is wrong with this relationship is that I'm bored. And then people are going to say, well, that just means something's wrong with you. It's like, well, maybe, but I'm only bored with you. I'm not bored in the rest of my life. Boredom as a whole is not my problem. Boredom with you is a problem. So I'm not going to make the leap that when the symptom only arises in our relationship, that it's a general problem that I have with the world as a whole. Right? That wouldn't be very logical. So that's what's called about being your own proof. What's wrong with the relationship? Look inward. I'm bored. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I, I feel depressed when the phone calls. I feel tense when I see that my parents are calling me. I'm not happy when I see them. That's called having proof about what's going on in the relationship. It's proof. It's proof. It's proof. The unconscious is logical. The unconscious is rational. The unconscious aggregates to your help, to your advantage. It is trying desperately to help you. And it's doing that by giving you emotions that are accurate and logical and objective interpretations of the relationship. And you are your own proof. What do you need? Is there a problem in your relationship with someone? You look inward. You don't go into a courtroom uh, drama to figure out how to prove it to them. If they don't accept that there's a problem with your relation, their relationship with you because you're bored, then you have a big problem on your hands. Right? If I say to someone, our relationship is not very satisfying for me, I'm bored, and they don't accept that as any kind of impetus to change or, or any kind of proof, then we have a significant problem. Because it means that, obviously, they don't have any respect for my feelings. So... When I say you are your own proof, it's a very important thing to really, really meditate on. But you don't need anything other than your own feelings to validate your relationships. Because there is no proof in relationships. There's no videotapes. There's no courtroom proofs. There's no reconstructions or reenactments. There's no lawyers. The proof is in your feelings. The proof, the truth, the history, the facts, the evaluation and everything is in your feelings. You are your own proof. Not about uh, whether the world is round or flat and not about this, that, or the other and not about free will versus determinism, but you are your own proof with regard to your relationships. And your proof, your feelings, are no demand on anyone else. Right? So, if you're bored in a relationship or if you're angry with someone and you have a relationship, the fact that you're bored or angry it's absolutely no requirement for the other person to listen or change. It is no demand on the other person. Your emotions are not checks that other people have to cash. They're not bills that other people have to pay. Your emotions are just your emotions, and they tell you your truth about the relationship. And I bet you they tell you a lot more than your truth. I bet you they tell you a lot more of an objective truth about the relationship. 
but your feelings are in no way or shape demands that other people need to uh, fulfill or follow, right? Just because you're bored with someone, it's no indication that they need to change a damn thing about their relationship with you. There's no demand in your feelings. There are facts in your feelings. There is an accurate interpretation and evaluation of things in your feelings. There is no demand in your feelings that other people need to satisfy. That's another important thing to understand. You are your proof. You are your own proof, but you are not your own enforcement. So I hope that this is helpful. I hope that this isn't too esoteric. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'll skip all the usual blurb because uh, this is part one, two of two. So I'm sure you just heard it fairly recently. So thank you so much for listening. I look forward to seeing you online. We will be having the Sunday show uh, this Sunday. And I think that I've managed to find ways to solve the sound issues as we heard from last week. So I think that it'll sound a whole lot better. Thank you so much again for listening. I'll talk to you soon.